Welcome to Founder Stories, the podcast, conversations with David Adelsheim and the 10 founding wine families of Oregon's North Willamette Valley. During each episode, David Adelsheim, founder of Adelsheim Vineyard, will sit down with another early pioneer to recount the collaboration and formation of the Willamette Valley wine industry over the last 50 years. In this episode, David sits down with Ron and Marge Volstek, co-founders of the Oak Knoll Winery. Enjoy. Ron Volstek was working at Tektronics and teaching others to be home winemakers in the late 1960s. Marge was selling wine at Wine Art and bringing up their six kids. Their friends encouraged them to start making wine commercially. So in 1970, they purchased an old 40 by 120 foot cow barn, which became Oak Knoll Winery. They were making fruit into wine later that summer, and by 1973, they had added wine grapes and became immersed in the growing wine industry. We talked with Ron and Marge at that original property on November 12th, 2020. Marge, thanks so much for coming in today and doing this with us. What I'm trying to figure out about Oak Knoll and about you is how did it happen? I mean, the story of Oak Knoll is not like most of the other no. wineries. No. Ron grew up in Forest Grove. Where did you grow Tillamook. up? In Tillamook. Land of trees, cheese, ocean breeze, and water opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> when you were growing up in Tillamook, did your family drink wine? No, they didn't. No wine at all then. Uh, I was, when I went to college, I went to Merrillhurst. I had my first introduction to wine, but it was more or less the sweeter type. Yeah. And uh, then uh, got married, and my children, six of them came so fast, six children in a period of seven years, so I... Yeah, that, I don't want to even do that now. busy mother. <laughs> so anyhow, how I became acquainted was uh, with... Purchasing, Ron was involved in Tektronics with a group that would get wine from Europe, a wine club. And so we would get wine there and taste it. And then... As and, and would this group taste together? No, no. Everybody they, got wine that kept... this list, and, and then you'd pick out what wine you wanted, and maybe three months later, six months later, the shipment would come in. So that was really my introduction to wine. And particularly from Europe. For, from Europe, yes. It was from all over. It wasn't just one country. There, there was a group over, I think it was in Guernsey or somewhere over there, and they were would be the ones that would get the list of wines available for us to pick the wines we wanted in the right price range and variety. So that's kind of how that went. But how we ourselves got involved in it, um, as I said, I had six children, and so I did a lot of canning, freezing, jam, jelly, relish, you name it. And so one day I said to Ron, why don't we make some wine? And he looked at me like, you know, wine, you kidding? And I said, yes, because I figured when you do so much uh, home preservation of, of fruits, berries and stuff, wine was the next step. And so uh, he says, oh, okay. So I combed about, oh, I don't know how many different sources trying to get a recipe to make wine. This was back in the mid-60s, and there just wasn't that much in information. Everything that was was an old English book or something. And uh, But 
we did go to Jack and Ann McCallum at Wine Art in Portland. And that was our first introduction with books and how to do it. Uh, the Amateur Wine Club started up in 1967, 68 there, and we would meet at everybody's house once a month and compare stories. And I mean, like Dickie Rath was at one time involved, and, and well, Joe Coulomb that has, of course, passed, he was involved, and there were, there were a lot of them. And that wine club grew and grew, and then when we started the winery here, it met here every month because it got so big that nobody's house could handle it. Then I think I must have had a, had a premonition or something. So a year ago, I told them it was just time for them to find another meeting place. And they were meeting up until a year ago here? Uh, well, they're still meeting, but not here. Yeah. Yeah, they have a different, a, a lower Grange Hall, I think is where they're meeting now. Oh. But no, they met here for 50 years. Oh, my God. We're 49. You were actually working for wine art at one yes. point, right? Yes. After, after we started making wine, uh, Jack and Ann McCallum approached me and said, Marge, we want to open up a satellite store in Beaverton. Would you run it for us? And so I said, well, I guess, <laughs> because I was really interested in, in the industry. And so that's how it came to be. And so until we really got going here, I, I ran it for a couple of years. And then, like I said, with six children, and, and starting a winery and a few other things, uh, it was. I just told them it was too much. But during that time, um, they convinced. Well, Ron taught a class for Portland Community College for one year, and then he looked at me and he says, "This is not my cup of tea." And so I took over and I taught for uh, a couple of years. Like we, it's, it's. And was that wine making or wine appreciation? Wine making, beginning amateur, very beginning, because I don't claim to have the knowledge to go more than just the beginning. And so I, it would through Portland Community College, and it would be at Beaverton, Sunset, and. Hillsboro high schools and so so I did that until it just got you know there's only so many hours in a day so <laughs> is it fair to say that a number of the people that are in the industry today in essence came through Oak Knoll or through you through and through the the amateur wine club yeah. yes it, it was Westside wine club now it's they changed their name to Portland uh, wine club uh, yes like like Raptor Ridge and and Erath and well Coulomb and who else oh there, there were just just so many yeah. too many and I don't want to leave anybody else <laughs> <Yeah>, really <laughs> but uh, no a lot of them that came, were members here at one time or another. The women involved with the wineries of Washington County became a power to be reckoned with. I mean, you had mm -hmm. your own ideas, your own spirit, your own drive. What brought you together as this little group of, I don't know, five, eight? Well, first of all, I look back, you know, since I talked to you originally, there were four of us, first of all, and then uh, two two or three more. It was Nancy Ponzi, myself, Virginia Fuller, and Betty Coulomb. That was the first four. And then um, Pat Molhausen yep. joined us. Corinne Gross yep. joined us. And uh, Linda Schaefer 
was here briefly. So that, that was the beginning. When the four of you started meeting, what were you talking about? What was your thinking? What was... Okay, we, we wanted to... We figured, you know, if you got more than one person together, you had more... <laughs> more manpower to speak or woman power and so we thought how do we draw people out and so over the years there's a couple of ways we did we started the first barrel tasting the theme of it being taste of wine before it's time and uh, so when do you think that started it i have a picture that that i showed earlier yeah. that was 1981 was when oh, we did that but i think we started really. meeting in the late 70s i'm not sure of the date i mean it's a long time ago <laughs> so anyhow so we did the barrel tasting and then we thought well we want to bring people together so we'll do uh thanksgiving holiday and a memorial day and things like that to bring people in christmas so we we did passport to wine country which has been used the name time and time again we would have a passport and if they'd go to four wineries and have their passports stamped yeah. they would get uh well we did cork ornaments with our different emblems on there uh, for our christmas trees so that's that's one way we did and then we worked with uh, the county trying to get a little more publicity from them. I was very, very active in the Hillsborough Chamber of Commerce and the Convention and Visitor Bureau of Washington County. And we worked together to, uh, first of all, get our road paved here. It was paved in 1991 because so many people, tourists would come and they didn't want to get their car dirty or dusty. And... Uh, it, I don't know how many people would come and say, how come all the Oregon wineries are on these roads, dusty roads? And so that was that story. Then another thing we worked on was to get uh, signage because back then you just could not, if you put up a sign, the, the county would take it down. And so we were able to get the, our our blue signs, highway signs. And so we just kind of worked together cooperatively and then would have tastings together. And so we just, uh, we grew as a group. As I've talked to people in Yamhill and in Washington County, I realized that Washington County wineries were really looking at Portland as a market. And for whatever reasons, over Shalem Mountain on the other side in Yamhill County, yes, of course, we, we were thinking about it, but it was not so imminent, it was not so immediate. And we were focused a little more out of state and whatever. But you guys invented, on this side, you invented Consumer Direct, tasting yes. rooms, people... Tasting rooms. Our first tasting room was actually right that here. office right there. Well, yes. more or less, yeah. yes. And so, um, definitely. And then, uh, of course, when we put the other building on, we were able to expand yeah. it yeah. and do it. But our idea was never to impress the whole world. We wanted to be a, a, a local friendly, welcoming winery to everybody. And so I, hopefully that's what we've succeeded over the years. What kinds of things have you done to make that statement to the community? Well, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I was so involved after Ron and I 
were divorced, Steve, my son Steve, in, uh, told me, he says, Mom, you go join the Hillsborough Chamber of Commerce, get, in, get involved there. And I did, and I served on so many committees there. And uh, uh, it was with Shirley Huffman, who was our former mayor of um, Hillsborough. She was very, very helpful to get the word out. And every time they would have groups uh, people come in, they'd promote the wine, primarily us, because there weren't that many wineries in the Hillsborough area. And so that helped, uh, that helped a lot. And then I was asked to join the, the visitor committee as a board member, and that even went wider spread because it encompassed a lot of a lot larger area. So, I mean, I think with, the, with them backing me, it, it really helped tremendously. And you have to be part of your community. You just, you just can't. Uh, well, you expand your yes. ability to reach people by yes. doing so. Yes. Yeah. And I'd have so many tourist groups come in, like groups from Japan, and they'd send them out here. Up until about, oh, a year and a half ago, I did all the tours here at the winery. And I would work the tasting room and uh, pour for our events, like the, amateur, the, the wine club that we start, started, the Oak Knoll Wine Club. I would pour at that. But then lately, and now with all the problems that are going on nationwide, <laughs> I guess I'm officially retired. <laughs> Although it just kind of breaks my heart because when you have 50 years behind you and you, 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 you know, and your children grew up in this. Well, you're a walking history book to begin with. Well, everybody says I should write a book. No, I'm not a writer and I don't plan on doing that. <laughs> some visual aids. I did. Tell us about the bottles, and, and there's something that I'm dying to try, but, but okay, tell us about uh, okay. them first. Well, this was our very first label, and this poor pathetic bottle, it's, it's a 74 um, Pinot Noir. It's one of the first Pinots, and I'm not sure that it came from Dion Vineyard, but it might have, because Ron... I think that's what Ron said. I, I think so, but this was our very first label, and it so happened that my, my sister-in-law and my brother designed it. <laughs> so, I mean, this was really keeping it in the family. Well, and everybody was broke, so we couldn't afford real designers, right? That, that's it, and back then, we really didn't know what was going on. And then uh, we moved on to, I think, kind of this label, and then um, this label, and then, no, this label. Yep. Which that, that came, I mean, that was the really classic label in the 80s yeah. and going maybe into just but, the but 90s. But you've got to advance. I mean, you can't stay in the, in the, in the background forever. Yeah. So, anyhow. But I did open to make sure it was still drinkable and not vinegar. Our uh, 1980. Pinot Noir that won the Governor's Trophy at the Oregon State Fair. In fact, that year we, we won both Governor's Trophies, the one for the fruit and berry and the one for, for the vinifera grape. And that was quite quite the day. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, yeah, I think Ron probably covered. Tell well, he talked a little bit about it, but he didn't bring a bottle that we could try. That's because 
he didn't hold on like that. <laughs> <laughs> he drank it. <laughs> that, that's a nice way of saying it. You better cut that. <laughs> so you go ahead and try it and tell me what you think. I hope I opened it oh, probably about. Well, it, it smells. Remember, 40 years. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Here's to Cheers. Thanks for bringing. Thanks for years. opening that. That's crazy. Oh well, like I said, Steve and I opened one a couple of weeks ago just to find out what it tasted like. This and I might say Steve is is one of my sons. I have five sons and a daughter. Son Ron is a winemaker down at Tudal Winery in California. Uh, John at one time was here. Now he's doing other things. Steve is president and CEO of Saki One in Forest Grove. And was the president here for a big long time too. He was too. president here, yes, yes. And then Dickie Rath wooed him away. <laughs> and then when he went from then, when um, San Michelle bought out that, that yeah. he went on, you know, he had to move on. This is in great shape. Good. <laughs> it's amazing. Anyhow, 40 years old. And then moving on, son Tom was one time here, and then Doug is uh, now officially winemaker at Wine by Joe over in, in, in Dundee. Dundee. And my daughter Sarah, she did all sorts of stuff here, but now, now she's uh, not involved at all. Yeah. So. so we know that... These kids did all this stuff with your winery and other wineries. Yes. What did you do? Is it genes or did you just gave force them into I know, had a lot of love and patience. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't tell them that that's no. what they had to do in life. Oh, only when we first started. You should see them hand labeling each bottle. That was that was pretty good. And it's so funny, my daughter was, she was just starting first grade when we started the winery. And, because um, she's the youngest of the six. Mm. And uh, prior to that, she, when we were making amateur wine and stuff, she would look, see the labels. And then we'd go to the store and she'd say, Daddy's labels? <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, but they, they, they were introduced from a young age because my two older were just in middle school. And so yeah. they had a life before you had a winery, but not much of one. One thing after we started the winery, they were never bored and they never said there's nothing to do. <laughs> they probably quickly learned that that was not a good idea. <laughs> That's true. So anyhow, I'm going to take a taste here. That's amazing for 40 years. Yeah. 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 That, that's incredible. I mean, you can tell it's old, but it's not over the hill. That's Well, I'm telling you, I was really, had my fingers crossed, knowing my breath when, when that first bottle was open. And it's so funny, this cork here. Oh, I, I just broke it. <laughs> Anyhow, Steve had a hard time getting the cork out, so that's why I opened it prior to bringing it because I could just see it crumbling. And like I said, I just just yeah, they're just, pretty fragile at that yeah, age. Yeah, at that yeah. age. Yeah. And I took one sip. He said, "Here, mom, try it." I took one sip, and he and I said, "Steve, that's not bad." And so then he and he tried it. So yeah, Oak Knoll's founding and, and early direction was so tied to fruit and berry wine. Did that cause any 
problems or friction with the other wineries in Washington County or? They just didn't know how to, how to handle us. But there, are, there were in the early days, not in Washington County, but there were, oh, I guess at least six or so other ones. Oh, yeah. We, we uh, had a fruit and berry committee that would meet here too periodically, like uh, Paul Salone from, from Salone. Oh, from uh, yeah. Astoria. Yeah, yeah, Honeywood and the Wasson Brothers. The reason we did that was because we wanted to make wine and we didn't have grapes available. We had planted grapes, but we're too low. We don't have the good air and frost drainage and everything. We used to have Pinot Noirs up here where, the, where they park sometimes now, and it just they just didn't do good. So we started, we figured, okay, we got to wait till the grapes come into production and then purchase them from other people. And that's what we have done. No, and it, 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 it seems to have made sense. Over the years, did you ever wish that you had your own estate vineyard? It would have been nice to, yes, yes. But that would have involved so much more. And I know all, all of you wineries that have large vineyards and everything, we you run the risk. Is it a good year? Is it a bad year? Are the birds going to come in? Are the rains going to come early? Are going to have the year of the green tomatoes, so to speak, when it comes to grapes? And so all that, this way, we kind of had a known product coming in that we didn't have to worry about, plus the manpower. That was a big thing, too, and the expense. And the fruit and berry wines, definitely. Of course, we no longer make fruit and berry wines. We phased it out. Oh, really? Yeah. The last one to go was our raspberry, our frambrosia. But it just the berries got too spendy and everything. And uh, we wanted to concentrate on the grapes. When was that? The last two years, I think the, the raspberry was the last, the frambrosia, the last to go. Prior to that, we had a marionberry. Back in the early days when we were making all sorts of berry, fruit and berry wines, we made gooseberry and red currant and rhubarb and things like that in addition to the berry wines. And some of the doctors in Hillsborough got wind that we were making with a second label, a gooseberry wine the Grosé Blanc. And so all their friends did not know it was made from gooseberries. They assumed it was a white wine because it sounded like it, it was was uh, a French wine or something. And uh, that, was a, that was a hit for a while for a <laughs> from the common gooseberry. over the time that you've been part of it. How much of it was a surprise to you? Well, I think when we got into it, we had no idea what was going. And then when you deal with the OLCC and the feds, I mean, you know, they 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 are so strict with their guidelines and everything from, from the reports that you have to file, plus the label approval and all those things. Uh, we just didn't realize. Another thing with the local county, when we bought this property, it is zoned agricultural. So we had to get a variance so we could continue, even though we're using agricultural products here, you know. And so we do have a lifetime variance on, on that. We had to go before the whoever, the commissioners, I guess it was, to get that done. But I think when we started out going from 
a home amateur one to commercial. It's a big change and you just don't know what to expect. And back in those days, um, we delivered a lot of the wine ourselves. We went to, to the different wine shops and stores. And I know that we were in Safeway at that time and we'd take, take cases to the distribution center and the intern would, would move it move on. around the state, move too. It around the state, yes. But then as time went on, and I know that I think most everybody has had the same problem, the, the bigger distributors gobbled up the smaller ones and then the middle-sized ones, the, the larger companies came in and they just don't have the interest and the time or desire to help the, the, the little guys. What would you, looking back over this longer period, what would you see as the contributions that specifically Oak Knoll made to the industry? I mean, a, a lot of what we all did was together, mm -hmm. and we can point to that, but because you're such a unique winery, and particularly in the early days, you were so unique, yes. so unique, what did... Oak Knoll allow the wine industry to become because you had done it first? Well, I think we put our heart and soul into this. And we were determined, and it was... It, the winery became like a, another family. And then the winemakers that we associated with in the early days, everybody, if somebody needed something, your neighbor would be quick to, you know, fill in and help you out because I know we crushed grapes for a few other wineries that were just starting because their press wasn't the right kind and this and that. And so uh, as far as contribution, it's, it's, it's promoting the wine industry altogether, I think, because um, there wasn't one to begin with when we started. Absolutely none. So I think that's a big thing. And um, as I mentioned earlier, being part of the community, because the, the community embraced us, and they were so good to us. One of the things that has struck me is that what you called the four women and the six women from mm -hmm. Washington County wineries, you worked together from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Why did you join together? Why didn't you individually sell your wines, market your wines? That's a good question. I think we thought that the more of us, the more clout we had. And we would meet in my living room once a month, you know, until uh, as time went on, it got bigger. Yeah. And then the gentleman in the wine industry <laughs> decided it was their turn to jump in. And it, it, uh, it grew and uh, encompassed a wider area. And so... But I, I think in a, in a very real way, you were demonstrating in the marketing world how collaboration worked. It does. It does. It's a pretty unique contribution that those four and then six women yes. really... Yes. ...added... Added to it. ...to the whole industry. Yes. I think we all had a common goal, and that was to promote... Um, our wines and Washington County wines at that point. It's been an interesting 50 years. <laughs> With the Washington County Winery Association, it was just joining together to, to, to not only be friends, but promote the, the local wines. And I think that was it. 
and, and do something to draw the public in so they would be aware that we existed, starting with the barrel tasting and then going on to the passport and the cork wine ornaments and, and things like that. You know, it's so funny. We had our first uh, birthday celebration for our 10-year anniversary, and that was the day Mount St. Helens blew. So we had one heck of a big birthday candle go off. And it's so funny. Back then, one of the Bushes was running from, I can't remember which one, but Jeb Bush was supposed to come here, and, the, and, and uh, NBC was supposed to follow him. All the press went to the mountain, but Jeb Bush did come here, and I gave him a tour right through the winery here. I do remember that. That's the only thing wow. from our 10-year anniversary. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So, yes. I don't actually know when I first met I the two of you. I remember going to your old place and tasting... But gee, I can't put years yeah. with it. They, yeah. they sort of all go together. They, they really do. Um, well, and I think, I mean, we were certainly thrown together at the Wine Growers Council oh, of Oregon yeah. meetings at the Tiger. Tastings. And I remember going down to Roseburg, the greatest of the grape, every year. We do that. Go up to uh, the Northwest Neological in Seattle. In Seattle. Yep. And uh, going over to Tri Cities for, I can't think of the name of the, whatever the, the Tri Cities. Yeah, some sort of a wine competition. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but. People say, would you do it again? Well, I guess, yes, but I think we'd be a little bit more knowledgeable second time around. Yeah. But well, in a certain sense, uh, you, you have to wonder if any of us would have done it if we were more knowledgeable. That's right. It'd be scary. Yeah. Yes, very I, scary. I mean, particularly today, entering um, in today is such. And, the, and the, the price of everything, you just couldn't afford it. No, no. So uh, and the idea of sort of financing everything out of cash flow and yeah, and just barely making it on all yeah. fronts. It definitely. Was I mean, how long did <laughs> how long did Ron and or you work outside the winery after the winery well, was started? Well, I worked for about. Oh, maybe a year. Ron worked for about two, because he was at Tektronix. He worked for about two years there. And it's so funny because we'd get stuff in. And, of course, we had to completely redo the building and all that. I don't know if he covered that. No, not much. But, but uh, it's, it had a, a old milk dairy barn, and it had stanchions and milk lines and vacuum lines and everything. And we had to fill in the gutters and clean and everything. And then I would would be receiving fruit when he was at work. <laughs> I, it would be at night because he went on to swing shift toward the end so so he could, he could work, work here, here during the, day. the daytime. And I was thinking, I didn't know all my neighbors that well. <laughs> I wondered what the heck was going on. <laughs> but um, yeah, but so he worked a couple years after that. And then, like I said, we did our own distribution pretty much in the early years. And then, uh, uh, yeah, it sounds like even to Safeway. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it's so funny because um, Al Juicy was really big in, in the distributing business back then. He was the biggest distributor then. Yes. And all of a sudden, people were saying, oh, 
just let Oak know have this space. Well, he wooed us. We ended up going with him, you know, and of course then it passed hands several times after that. Yeah. And then as I mentioned earlier, the wine industry, I mean, the, the different uh, distributors became less and less. Yeah, the number of distributors. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, three of my sons are still involved in winemaking, which is good. My nephew is, too. You know Matt Volstek? Yeah. Yeah, Matt is my, my nephew. And um, I'm trying to think uh, if there's any, but that's all the Volsteks. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time today. Thank you so much for opening this 1980. Okay. What a real treat. I'm so thankful that we... That, that you were willing to be oh, part of this and, and, no and receive us here. Thanks, Mark. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Like I said, I hope everything went okay. <laughs> well, we'll see. You know, I don't have canned speeches. When I would give all the tours, you know, I never knew what I was going to say, you know. Oh. And, and you kind of geared it to what type of person, yeah. people there were, you know, and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, it's just trying to remember and... <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, since so much of Oak Knoll was you... Yeah, I guess, yeah. It's... Yeah. Kind of opening your mouth was revelatory. Yeah. The early days, it was really scary. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Dan Legrand from Channel 8 came out to interview me. And he stuck the mic in front of me. And, of course, you know, naive and younger. Well, it started as a hobby, a hobby. My kids never let me forget that. <laughs> so I hope I've progressed. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Founder Stories, the podcast. This episode was produced by Adelsheim Vineyard in partnership with House Below Productions. New episodes are released monthly, and you can find them on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Visit our website, adelsheim.com 50 years, to watch full interviews of David Adelsheim with the other founders of the Willamette Valley wine industry. And join us as we pay homage to half a century of lofty dreams, pioneering spirits, and world-class wine.